On today's show, an examination of the upcoming weekend in college football and moments of truth for a large portion of contending teams. Before we get there, I would be overjoyed to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Thursday night, my favorite night of the whole week. We have an NFL football game. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going on the road and playing the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jacksonville Jaguars are plus seven and a half, and we will be taking that. Very rarely do I bet with my heart in the NFL. I'm a numbers person. I look at numbers and I say there's value there, and so I'm going to have to bet it. That's just how I bet in the NFL. Now, this can take you into a very dark path straight down into the dumpster because that's usually where the value lies. You got to bet on bad teams. You don't feel great about it. It's pretty hard to stomach. But when your number's better, that's what you do. I have been dumpster diving for the last two weeks with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've lost outright and against the spread in both games, Denver Broncos and the Arizona Cardinals. It has not been an enjoyable experience, and yet I can't help myself. I I really can't because I'm going back to the well. Here I am, Thursday night, the grubbiest game that ever grubbed, even by Thursday standards. It's grubbier than... The Giants and the Washington football team two weeks ago, it is grubbier than the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans last week when Davis Mills is starting at quarterback and Christian McCaffrey and J.C. Horn go down with injury. It is the grubbiest game that ever did grub. And my question is, how could the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals, possibly be laying seven and a half points to literally anyone? When you have two teams at the bottom of the dumpster and one is getting seven and a half points, you take it. That's how numbers betting works. That's why gambling should be legal everywhere, because to truly love a grubby Thursday night football game, and I mean truly love in your heart of hearts with burning, burning, burning love, you must have money riding on the outcome. And now, Sports with Chris Roll. Every college football season is comprised of moments of truth, essentially games that give us a relatively large window into who you actually are as a football team. That's the fun of the early part of the season. It's trying to understand what each game actually means. We don't know anything about any of these teams. And so you watch the games and you go, I think I know this and I think I know this. And then the next week you go, I think the exact opposite. We're getting to the portion of the season, we're nearly a month in, where we're getting a little bit more data points. And we're starting to formulate opinions that make a little bit of sense. Not a ton, but a little bit because of what has already happened. It's interesting to go back and examine some of the, the big games from earlier in the season. Big in air quotes. You know, opening weekend, Notre Dame, Florida State, what a game. Oh my gosh, goes to overtime. These two teams, crazy. And now we've arrived less than a month later and Notre Dame is undefeated, but there's a lot of questions there, as I'll get into later. Florida State is atrocious. They haven't won a game. They've lost to Jacksonville State. They've gotten boat raced by Wake Forest and Louisville. Who knows what's going to happen with them this season. Safe to say that that game maybe wasn't as insightful as we thought at the time. Uh, Miami, Florida against Alabama, game of the weekend, two great teams. Miami, just as it turns out, is probably bad. That's what we've now figured out <laughs> in, the, in the month. 
Uh, Clemson in Georgia, which was billed as the game of the week. I still think there's stuff there to be taken away. But surprisingly, it might be more on the Clemson side and the fact that they might not actually be good at football, as I'm going to get into later in the show. Uh, Now, this weekend, this upcoming weekend, features a ton of matchups that fit into this category. They're going to provide us moments of truth. Again, it's a relatively large window, but it's still small because there's 12 games in a season. And we can get into the ninth and the 10th and even the 12th game and still have questions about teams. Again, that's part of the fun part of following football is that there's limited amounts of information you can take in. And so you get to form a lot of, of opinion because there's just not a lot of information there at your disposal. This weekend, we're going to get more. Uh, and one week ago, I recorded a show just about who deserves to be in the discussion for the playoff race. What we thought at the start of the season, these top five teams, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, they're going to rule the roost, has not proven to be the case. And it's opened up the door for a lot of other teams to be, at the very least, in the discussion for this playoff race. Now, part of this question or part of this process is saying who is actually good here and who is actually not. There are a lot of teams that might actually be good. And they will prove for the vast majority of them to not be good. That's how these football seasons work. But there's still a lot of questions up in the air surrounding, let's say, the pack of 20 some odd teams. And so if you think that Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in the nation, that's a category I fall into. Then the purpose of last week's show was who deserves to be in the discussion for number three. A lot of teams. Floating around, pick and choose. Now, we have a little bit of information on a lot of those teams. And this weekend is very intriguing because the games are juicy. And we're going to get a lot more insightful windows into teams that are in the discussion for number three. It's another reason that college football is unique and entertaining relative to its peers. Because each season is a new reality. In the NFL or the NBA, going into each season, at the very least, you know that the very good players are good. You know if you have LeBron James, you're probably guaranteed a certain level of on-court success. If you have Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, your team's not going to go 1-15. You are just guaranteed to be at least, at the very least, a somewhat reasonable team. In college football, your roster is overturned every four years. So it's a lot harder to trust what is fact and what is fiction, especially in a season that's only 12 games, right? So we watch this stuff and still our minds cannot be made up after an entire season is done. That's part of the cool part of college football. You're arguing about teams eight years removed. That team was actually good. No, they weren't. Let me tell you why. You'll never have an answer. So the easiest way when you're trying to accumulate information during the current season and apply it just as a fan or as a gambler You trust in stable programs, right, that recruit and that have high-level coaching. Goes back to those five teams that I mentioned. That's why uh, I think a lot of people just gravitate towards it. They have the track record of success, and they have great coaching and great recruiting. Now, this season has been a little bit different because I'll start by talking about two of those teams. 
two teams that we have had enough moments of truth already for me to start forming a, a opinion on solid ground is probably the best way of putting it. Clemson and Oklahoma. Two teams that definitely recruit well. Two teams that definitely have great coaching staffs. Two teams that have had very good recent track records. Um, the Clemson Tigers, they're a part of the most shocking development of the college football season. Uh, is it possible that this team is actually not good this year? Is it possible that the Clemson Tigers are not good at football in 2021? I know their offense cannot score. I know their offensive line cannot block. I know they are 2-2 two and two on the season. A slugfest of a loss against University of Georgia in week one. And then an overtime loss at NC State on Saturday. They, they literally cannot score. Now, this is one of two teams that has dominated the sport for over a decade. Them and Alabama. And we're reaching a, an interesting examination point with Clemson. They could run the table and still, you know, make a New Year's Six game. It doesn't look like that is going to be the case because, again, they do not look like a good football team. Now, when it comes to overreactions and underreactions, I always skew towards underreaction and go, let's see this play out and we can make our, our mind about what this actually means. Uh, the interesting examination point of Clemson right now in present day is in the past with college football, when you have these dynastic runs, you never really know when they're transitioning out of that until it has already happened. No one really ever predicts it in the moment and goes, oh my goodness, this team is going to be bad now. I mean, we've seen this multiple times since the turn of the century, the last 20 years. Nobody watched Miami in 2001 and 2002 when they had entire rosters filled with NFL players going three and four deep. And they're just bashing on teams, including my poor Nebraska Cornhuskers in the 2001 national title game. Nobody ever thought that three years later they would just be bad and irrelevant into present day. You don't see that coming, right? Same, same-ish time span, you never really saw the Pete Carroll, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, Linda White, USC Trojans, which dominated college football. You never saw that just falling off the face of planet Earth. And now they're in a decade-plus run of just extended mediocrity. You never see it coming, right? Texas Longhorns, same thing. Mack Brown, they win a national title with Vince Young. They play for another with Colt McCoy in 2009. And then nearly immediately after that season. It's a nosedive off the cliff, and they haven't returned from that point. You never really know. So I don't necessarily think that's happening with Clemson. However, the on-field product through four games on offense has been abysmal. And it's interesting to monitor in this season just what that means for the larger scheme of where Clemson is at as a program. Again, one of the two teams that has dominated the sport for a decade. And now this is the first sign of vulnerability in 10 years. What does that actually mean? I don't know. But we're going to get a little more insight as this season goes on with them. They play Boston College this weekend. It's not a huge game. But for purposes of this discussion, it's going to give us a little bit of a window into what to expect in this season and moving forward from the Clemson Tigers. Now, that's the most stunning development of the season. But... Another incredibly stunning development is the Oklahoma Sooners, and specifically their offense, because it has not been good, and it is an offense that has burned everyone in its path to the ground as long as Lincoln Riley has been there. Baker Mayfield tossing it all over the yard, 
Kyler throwing it all over the yard, Jalen Hurts, you name it. The expectations going into the season, definite national title contender, should have the best offense in the nation. And then two weeks ago, they're winning a squeaker against Nebraska by seven. They're only scoring 23 points in that game. Last weekend, they're winning another squeaker against West Virginia. They're only scoring 16 points in that game, winning by three. West Virginia kind of handed them the game. Is their offense actually kind of bad? <laughs> we, we've seen enough from this team to start asking that question. I have also seen enough from this team, and I've seen enough from the Big 12 in general, a very deep conference. They're not top-heavy. They're not going to have national title contenders just strewn about. But besides Kansas, everybody in this conference is at the very least normal. At the very least on any given day, yeah, this team could bite you, you know, snake lying in the reeds. Could be Baylor, it could be Texas, it could be Iowa State, it could be Oklahoma State, it could be Kansas State, it could be West Virginia, who they just barely won by a field goal against. All of these teams are capable of beating this current version of Oklahoma, this team that struggles to move the ball, struggles to generate explosive plays on offense, and most definitely does not look like a playoff team. Now, maybe that is just, maybe this is a blip. Maybe it's early season struggles, or maybe what we have seen already, it speaks to a larger narrative. That, yes, Oklahoma, they're not really a playoff team this year. And uh, an interesting examination point for them moving forward is, are they actually the best team in the Big 12? This very deep conference where anybody can get you on any given day. Is Oklahoma just one of those teams in that mix? Are they another Baylor, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State? Uh, They're playing Kansas State on Saturday. Is that just a team that's going to beat them like they've done in the past? The two, not the two, two of the three biggest games of Saturday, we'll shift gears into a different conference, are in the SEC. Four teams that we know things about, and yet I am greatly intrigued by both of these games because they will give us valuable, valuable insight into who all of these teams actually are. Ole Miss at Alabama and the Arkansas Razorbacks at University of Georgia. Two of the biggest games of Saturday. They're pitting the two teams that I think we know the most about based upon past track record and coaching and recruiting, those things I mentioned, Alabama and Georgia. We're still not completely sold on either team, but I think we know enough to say, yeah, right now, these are the two best teams, sure. Against the two biggest wild cards in the SEC and possibly the entire nation. Ole Miss and Arkansas. I'll start with Arkansas because they have been the most positive story of the college football season so far. Clemson, they're the most stunning. It's very negative. I don't fully comprehend what's going on there. Arkansas has been an incredible joy to watch. They have risen out of the depths of despair. In 2018 and 2019, they were 0-16 in SEC play. They were 4-20 and overall. Winless in their conference. Last year, Sam Pittman takes over. They're competitive last year, but we didn't really know that it, what they were actually building was a team that looks like a genuine playoff contender. They have the best combination of wins in the entire nation. They've beaten Texas at home. They've beaten Texas A&M at a neutral site. They're somehow the kings of Texas, despite residing in Arkansas. So now the expectations 
for me, a fan and a gambler, they've changed drastically with Arkansas. I liked betting them last year because they were competitive. And especially when you're getting points with them. That was great. I bet them last Saturday against A&M because I still couldn't understand why they were getting six points against a team that they looked every bit the equal. And that turned out to be true as they went out right. The expectation changed. Once you start valuing yourself and showing that you belong in the playoff discussion, which I do believe Arkansas is. Uh, Now you're going on the road into Athens, Georgia to play a team that has recruited better than literally anyone else in the entire nation, Alabama included. A team that just took poor Vanderbilt out to the woodshed last week. And the race in that game was who would have more. Georgia points or Vanderbilt yards. Vanderbilt squeaked that one out. I think they had about 70 yards and Georgia had 62 points. The main point is Arkansas is going into a hostile environment against one of maybe the best team in the nation. And this is a great measuring stick if you fancy yourself as a playoff team. In the past, this is a game that you go in and say, if we're competitive, great, this is fine. And now... I've watched enough from Arkansas to say, "Mm, you're big underdogs in this game, but what I've watched against Texas and A&M, it leads me to believe that, you know, you pack enough punch that you can go in and give them a run for their money. Georgia, they're good. We're still trying to determine how good they actually are. In a roundabout way, this is also a huge measuring stick game for them because they're at home. They are 18-point favorites against a banged-up Razorbacks team. A lot of people got injured in that AM game last week. Who knows what their status is for Saturday? If you are Georgia and you value yourself as the team that matters, not one of, not, oh, we can give Alabama a run. No, uh, you've recruited as well as anybody, better than anybody. If you are the team that is going to win the national title, this is a great measuring stick game. Banged up Arkansas team, who has been awesome so far. If you're as good as people think, if you're as good as you value yourself as being, you take it to them at home. Vegas has set an expectation for you. You should beat them by 18 points. Uh, If you're a national title contender, go out and do that. Treat them like you treated Vanderbilt last week. Regardless of what happens in this game, valuable, valuable, valuable insight is going to come out of those two teams playing Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. The other SEC game... Alabama Ole Miss. Alabama, we know they're good. How good is always the question with Alabama. I came across a stat from Chris Vanini of The Athletic. Alabama has won 100 consecutive games against unranked teams, the longest streak ever, and hasn't trailed in its past 53 quarters of play, the longest streak in the FBS since 1950, end quote. Two incredible stats. I think the... Beating unranked teams at all times gets kind of lost in the shuffle. It's like golfers who continually make the cut at events. Uh, You're expected to do that if you're the best, but we just know sooner or later you're going to slip up. Ask Ohio State. They lose to a weird team every other year. Ask any of the really good teams. And yet Alabama is the only team in the history of the sport who has just said, "Eh, yeah, feed us 100 unranked teams and we'll just feast on literally every single one of them. We won't fall victim to what a lot of college football, actually all college football teams sooner or later fall victim to. Just a down spot. You're not up for this game. 
the other team gets hot at the right time, and, and now you're in a dogfight and you've lost. Alabama has not fallen victim to that for 100 consecutive games. They also haven't trailed in 53 quarters. I, I don't even know what to make of that information, but it is astounding. However, we're still trying to discern how good is Alabama relative to teams of the past, Alabama teams, and also to its peer in present day, which is Georgia right now. Maybe Ole Miss is in that same vein. We don't fully knew because Ole Miss is good. And I say that with a question mark attached to the end of it. The total in this game is 77 points for a reason because Lane Kiffin is coming back to Tuscaloosa place where he used to be the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. A lot of points are going to be scored. Nobody gives Nick Saban's defense more fits than Lane. He understands their scheme. He understands how to attack it. He understands the things that give them fits. Last year, Ole Miss puts up 48 points and 647 yards of total offense against Alabama. Pretty impressive totals. The problem in that game is that they gave up 63 points and 723 yards of offense to Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. The part about this game that I am most interested to watch is there. Actually, it's twofold. One is just Alabama's defense trying to stop this specific scheme and quarterback Matt Corral and play caller Lane Kiffin. But if Ole Miss wants to be taken very seriously, not the fun run and gun team that can put up a bunch of points, but is in a shootout every game. The most interesting part of this game is, can Ole Miss actually play defense? They played three games, not against great teams. You know, the best opponent they've played, it's either Louisville or Tulane. But they've played very good defense through three games of this season. Alabama, whole different test. Bryce Young out there running around, tossing it to a bunch of receivers. What is going to happen in this game? Ole Miss, they're 14-point underdogs. Like Arkansas, yeah, Vegas says you're supposed to lose by two touchdowns. I'm on Ole Miss, as I gave out on yesterday's show, because I think that they can score enough points to keep up. But if you want to not only be in the discussion for the playoff, but just make the playoff, this is a game that you come out and prove you have a defense. You can beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And you have a little additional advantage of you're coming off of a bye week. And so you've had an extra week to prepare for Alabama and what you want to do in that game. Two very, very, very tasty matchups going down in the SEC. Two games that as we're evaluating this early part of the season, you know, a lot of what we think is true in September does not prove to be true. But there are some things that we know early on and those prove to be true. If Ole Miss comes out and scores an upset or Arkansas does, I feel very comfortable saying those teams will be around for the duration of the season as legitimate playoff contenders. The third game of the day, when it comes to the big three, the three that I'm most interested to watch because they will give windows into who all of the teams involved actually are. They're all considering themselves to be playoff contenders. If they actually are, I don't know, but we're going to find out a little bit more. The third game is Cincinnati at Notre Dame. I talked a lot about Cincinnati last week. This is the biggest game of the season for that category of team. The team that is historically not welcome in the discussion for the playoff. A non-Power 5 team. A team that no one really wants to give their full credit regardless of who they play, how they beat them, all that kind of stuff. 
Cincinnati, they were awesome last year. They were 9-1. and one. They barely lost in their bowl game to Georgia. Field goal at the buzzer. This year, they've been great so far. They've beaten Indiana on the road. This is the game that people hopefully will take note of if they go in to South Bend and beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame is undefeated. We don't know if they're actually good. They've squeaked out a bunch of games. That Florida State game, in retrospect, looks atrocious that it was in overtime. They barely beat Toledo at home. They struggled with Purdue at home. They were down by three points against Wisconsin on Saturday in the fourth quarter before somehow winning 41-13. That's bizarre. Go back to yesterday's show if you want to hear the story of that game. But I still have a lot of questions about Notre Dame as a team. They can't block. They lack a lot of explosion on offense. Are they actually good? Do they deserve to be in the playoff discussion? I'm skewing towards no, but they went on Saturday and they're going to be in the thick of that. Cincinnati, I do believe, is a good football team. How good? Yet to be determined. I do not know. I want them to win because I want a team to rise up and put pressure on the playoff committee to just even discuss a team outside the Power Five conferences as a possible playoff contender. Since he wins on Saturday, I think they deserve to be in that discussion. We'll see if that proves to be true. Um, but we're going to find out things about both of these teams on Saturday. There's a, there's a bunch of other games. You know, uh, They're not this level of two really high-level teams playing and, and that kind of thing. But there's a bunch of playoff contenders or pseudo-playoff contenders, depending on how you view them, that are playing dangerous games, trapdoor games, whatever you want to call them, against teams that can, on the right day, bite them. Could be Iowa at Maryland on Friday. Could be Michigan at Wisconsin on Saturday. Oregon at Stanford. Florida at Kentucky. These aren't full-fledged moments of truth for these four teams that fancy themselves as contenders, but they're, I would call them miniature moments. If you go out and hammer these teams, that means something to me. If you go out and struggle, it means something. If you go out and lose outright, that means a whole, whole hell of a lot. Iowa, pretty tricky spot. Friday night at Maryland. I think Maryland's a reasonable team. The question for them, do you have anything besides an incredible defense? Tyler Goodson, great tailback, but their offense has no explosion whatsoever. No pop. Their passing game, what is going on there? Can they throw for more than 150 yards? Can they complete a pass 20 yards downfield against a team that's good? I don't know. I honestly don't. Can you ride a defense this good for an entire season in a sport that is all about offense right now? I don't know. I think I would say probably not, but so far so good for Iowa. This is another miniature moment for them. Go and blast Maryland as four-point favorites. That'll mean something to me. Michigan? On the road at Wisconsin, Wisconsin is just, they're vomit-worthy. They should be playing every game alongside those Thursday night vomit NFL fests just so we could fill it at the same time. Michigan, I have no idea what they are. I honestly, I could see any range of outcome happening with their season. I mean, any range. They could be 11-1, and one, it wouldn't shock me. They could be 6-6, six and six and it would not shock me. They look like they are running away against Rutgers on Saturday, and then they're struggling to eke out a seven-point win in that game. It's a one-point spread going on the road at Michigan. Biggest expectation essentially is, eh, you're pretty much the same team as a Badgers team that everybody agrees is not very good. Great defense, just atrocious offense. 
Michigan can go in there and dunk on them. That means something. Miniature moment of truth, right? Oregon Ducks going on the road to Stanford. They have the biggest win of the season so far in the horseshoe at Ohio State. Now comes the hardest part. It's what Alabama has been doing. Harken back to that Chris Vanini stat. It's playing teams that on the right day can beat you, that you're not getting up for in a way that you get up for an Ohio State game. The Pac-12 is filled with those teams, much like the Big 12. It's not a great conference, not a lot of high-level playoff contenders. However, on any given Saturday, yeah, Stanford could rise up and bite you. Arizona State, sure. Utah, sure. Go down the list of a lot of teams in that conference. So Oregon has laid the foundation for a playoff team. They've recruited well. They have incredible line play. I think Mario Cristobal has a great vision for what this team is is in present day and needs to be in order to win a national title. So you've beaten Ohio State. You're in the discussion for number three. You're actually at number three. Now you need to keep winning. At Stanford, miniature moment of truth. Florida Gators, the last team I'll mention. On the road at Kentucky. Same vein as these three prior games. Kentucky, not an outrageous, awesome football team, but well-coached team. Mark Stoops, awesome coach. They know what they're doing. They're welcoming Florida in. There's a lot of rivalry, bad blood between those two teams. Florida, they're an eight and a half point favorite. They're expected to win. But how good are you? Are you as good as you looked in that Alabama game when you were taking them down to the wire? Losing by two points right at the end of the game. Uh, What does it look like when you're on the road at Kentucky? A game that you are just not going to be as juiced up for is welcoming Alabama into the swamp. Is that just a huge game that Florida was able to get up for? Or was that an indicator that this team is legitimate? This team could actually beat Georgia and win the SEC East? And have a rematch with Alabama in the SEC title game. And if they win that, well, you're in the playoff. This is what this weekend is all about. It's going to be incredible from a football standpoint. It's going to be incredible from an informational standpoint. Things to use as a gambler. And things to use as you form opinions as a fan. Very confident that coming out of this weekend, we will have a greater understanding about a lot of contenders. You know, who is in contention for these playoff spots, who should be in the discussion, and who is just a fraud. I think we'll have answers, not set in stone, but we will have reasonable answers to these questions coming out of this weekend. Uh, A window into who these football teams actually are. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.